Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, friends, and welcome to Bible Truth for Living. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether by radio or podcast. Before I get into the message today, I'd like to remind you about our upcoming Bible Prophecy Weekend coming up on Friday through Sunday, May 19th through the 21st, here just a few weeks away. We've called it the Understanding the Times Prophecy Weekend, and uh, my good friend and fellow pastor Rodney Malott is going to start the weekend off on Friday night, May the 19th at 6 o'clock with a teaching on the coming tribulation temple. The Bible teaches there will be a third temple in Jerusalem. It will be the temple that the Antichrist uh, eventually will desire to be worshipped uh, in. And then on Saturday, May the 20th, uh, we're honored to have Olive Tree Ministries representative Ken Michael. Uh, some of you may be familiar with Jan Markell's Olive Trees Ministries, Understanding the Times on the radio, many stations, uh, podcasts, widely uh, known prophecy ministry. And Brother Ken will begin at 5 o'clock on Saturday, May 20th. And then Sunday, May the 21st, my dad, Dr. Ron Reynolds, at 9 o'clock, will bring a teaching on the characteristics of the kingdom age. Exactly what is the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth all about? And then I'll be preaching at 10 o'clock on Sunday, May 21st, on a message titled, Are You Ready for the Rapture? What is the rapture? Who will be involved in those sorts of things? And then we'll wrap up the weekend Sunday night at 6 o'clock on May 21st with a Bible prophecy Q&A session. And we're going to be answering questions on everything from the importance of the nation of Israel to current events, uh, spiritual deception, uh, just all kinds of things that uh, relate to end-time Bible prophecy. So you won't want to miss any of it. It all takes place at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple at 817 Woodland Drive here in Mount Vernon. For more information, you can call us at 618-244-5404, or you can visit us online at mountvernonbaptisttemple.com, and you could also help by uh, letting other people know about it. Invite them to come to the Bible Prophecy Weekend, Friday through Sunday, May 19 through 21, 2003, uh, 23 rather, at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. Today's message is titled, The Door of Opportunity. I'm reading from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2, 3, and 4. The Apostle Paul writes, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to to speak. I believe that sharing the gospel with other people is probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, challenge in the Christian life. Now, we know we ought to. We get saved, and we start going to church, and then we, we learn we should give a tithe or an offering. Uh, we learn to pray and read and study our Bibles, and that we should be busy for the Lord, maybe serving in some area. But witnessing for Jesus is something that just about everyone struggles with. Now, the reasons are many, and whether they are valid reasons or excuses, we have all kinds of them. Uh, sometimes it's the fear of rejection. What if the person doesn't like what I have to say? Or what if I don't know what to say? 
Sometimes it's just outright apathy. I don't care, you know, as long as I'm going to heaven. But that's not good because we've been given the great commission to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. But witnessing, really, when you narrow it down, it's just all about looking for and taking advantage of opportunities. Now, an opportunity is a favorable time and place to achieve something. Life is filled with opportunities uh, throughout your life. Maybe you had an opportunity to make a ball team or cheerleading squad or something like that, and then you had the opportunity to get a job or a promotion on the job, maybe an opportunity to purchase a home that you had your eye on. But life is filled with opportunities. And in the text we're looking at today, Paul is looking for an opportunity. He calls it a door of utterance. Now, when you think of a door, a door is a place of access and opportunity. He is seeking an open door of opportunity to share his testimony and to tell other people about Jesus. And I think if we'll practice Paul's method here, we can learn to be much more effective witnesses for Christ as we look for opportunities and God presents those opportunities to us. Let's look first of all at accessing the door of opportunity. Now, when you think of doors, most doors have some type of handle or a knob that must be turned for them to open. Many times it's a locked door, you know, maybe to your house, you lock your door before you leave. And so in order to access the door, you have to have a key, use that key to unlock and and access uh, to go through the door. Now, Paul gives us several keys to access the door of opportunity to share the gospel with other people. And the first key that we see here is the key of consistent prayer. He says again there in verse two, continue in prayer, which implies that the people at this church in Colossae had been praying all along. He doesn't say start praying. He says continue in prayer. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean you go around on your knees and uh, head bowed, eyes closed all the time. It's an attitude of of, uh, prayer throughout the day. It's it's an open line of communication. You know, I think all of us, uh, practically all of us anymore, carry a phone with us. And that phone enables us to have have open communication, let's say a family member, spouse, children, if they want to get a hold of us, they can contact us really any time because it's there, it's available. And that's what prayer is. It's continuing in prayer. It's being in an attitude of prayer all the time. Now, I pray about silly things, probably some people think are silly. If I'm at Walmart and I'm in a hurry, I'll pray for an open spot. I'll pray if I lose my keys. Lord, help me to find those keys. Uh, I'm just silly enough to think the Lord cares and is involved in my life and would would, uh, help me out with that. So uh, I pray about a lot of things, but it's just an attitude of prayer. You can pray driving down the road in your car. You can pray on your lawnmower, but it's praying consistency, consistently. Now, Paul says pray, continue in prayer. He's praying for consistent opportunities to share the gospel with family, friends, and strangers. So we ought to do that. We ought to pray, Lord, today may someone cross my path that I can share the gospel with. And I believe every time that we witness, whether it's a planned time of witness or, or just starting the day, it's important to lead with prayer and pray uh, for God to uh, lead someone to you for their heart and their mind to be receptive. And here's why, because human strategy and human reasoning will not open doors of opportunity. Only God uh, responding to prayer will open the door of opportunity. So there's the key of consistent prayer. And then number two, there is the key of corporate prayer, because he says in verse three, with all praying also for us, 
that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Now he says, praying for us. That would be others in the ministry. There was a man by the name of Epaphras that we find out about in Colossians chapter one, but Paul really says anybody else in the ministry, pray for us. Now, if Paul, who was such a a very educated man, a, a very uh, motivated man. He was a church planter. He was a missionary. I mean, he wrote most of our New Testament. And if Paul says, hey, put me on the prayer list, well, I'm along with him. You know, I, I need your prayers. Those of you who listen to us on the radio or the podcast, you know, I appreciate your prayers of support. Uh, Y'all pray for your pastor. Wherever you go to church, pray every day for your pastor, that God fill him with the spirit to, to uh, give him messages that would be helpful to guard his life and all of these things. That's what corporate prayer is. Corporate prayer is people praying for one another. Now, why does Paul ask for this? Why does he say pray for us? Why why does Paul see the need for prayer for himself in the ministry? Well, number one, Paul knew where the power came from. It did not come from his own intellect or his own knowledge of God. It didn't come from his fancy words. In fact, the Bible says that Paul was not a very good speaker, actually. But Paul knew if he was going to have power, it had to come through prayer. I read one time where Charles Spurgeon, someone asked him why he was so successful in the ministry, and he showed them down in the boiler room of the basement of the Metropolitan Tabernacle where people gathered to pray while he preached. And Spurgeon understood this principle, that his preaching was only as powerful as the prayer behind the preaching. And so Paul knew where the power came from. And then secondly, I believe he knew that the people praying for him would have a part in his success. You see, when you pray for a missionary, you pray for your pastor, you you pray for me here on this radio program. If someone comes to Christ through this radio ministry, let's say, for for example, you have a part in that because you prayed, you, you supported that. And when we stand before Christ at the judgment seat, we will be rewarded for the salvation of people we never met before. Paul says in Philippians 4, 17, I desire fruit or results that may abound to your account. And so he knew that it would be a blessing to those praying as well. The third key we see in our text is the key of continuous preparation. He says in chapter 4 and verse 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same. He says, pray and prepare. Pray and watch. That's what watching is. It's preparing. He says, stay prepared. Opportunity comes to those who are prepared for it. Roman philosopher Seneca said, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Sometimes we'll say, well, that person was lucky. No, they were prepared so that when the opportunity came, they were able to achieve something there. And that's important. Notice he says in the same. So you're praying, but you're preparing. You know, some of us just want to pray, but we don't do any of the preparing part. Uh, you know, let's, let's use a sports analogy. You take a player in minor league baseball, okay? His dream is to make it to the major leagues. So if he's going to do that, he has to stay prepared. He can't eat a diet of Oreo cookies and Dorito chips and and uh, soda pop and then get the call and be ready for the major leagues. I mean, he has to practice baseball every day. He has to have a strict diet. So when the opportunity comes, he's prepared for that call. You know, really, I think that many times we as believers miss open door opportunities uh, to witness to other people just because we're not prepared. 
you know, I, I told our folks uh, in church that Sunday is preparation day. You know, that, that's not just the only day that you serve God. You're just coming to get your battery charged. You're coming for preparation. It's Monday through Saturday then when the opportunities come, the opportunity to witness to a family member, a coworker, or a neighbor. One Southern preacher said this, when a farmer prays for a corn crop, God expects him to say amen with a plow, all right? Don't expect God to do all of it. You need to be prepared. You need to be ready. How prepared are you if someone were to ask you? Let's say someone says to you, you know, I'm having some real trouble in my marriage or with my children. And, you know, what should I do about that? Are you prepared for that? Would you be ready to say, you know what, let me pray for you. Let me tell you how the Lord helped me in some instance. That's what witnessing is. It's taking advantage of the opportunity to share Jesus with someone. But if we're not prepared, we will miss those opportunities. And then number four, there is the key of constant perception. Because he says, continue in prayer, watching the same with thanksgiving. It's being perspective, thanksgiving is being perceptive of what God has done. Number one of what God has done for you. Think about this. Someone told you about Jesus. I don't know how you came to Christ. Uh, My dad led me to the Lord as a young man, and I, I, I thank God for that. Maybe you weren't raised in a Christian home. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher, a vacation Bible school teacher. Maybe it was an evangelist. Maybe it was just a gospel tract. Whatever it was, you ought to thank God and don't forget. Don't take that for granted. God, thank you for getting the gospel to me. And then thank God that he saved you and that he He uh, also has given you health. And you say, well, my health isn't the greatest. Well, if you're still here, you have a purpose. God's kept you here and he's blessed you in some way. If, if nothing else, he's blessed you with life and, and eternal life in heaven. If you have a family, I mean, there's a lot of things we can thank God for what he's already done. But not only that, we can thank God for what he's going to do through us. You know, God wants to work through you. Uh, you, If that wasn't the case, um, he would just save us and then take us to heaven. Why are we still here? We're not saved to sit. We're saved to serve. We're saved to witness. And God works through his people. You got to thank God for that. God, thank you that you're going to allow me to witness to my brother or my, my child or my neighbor, whatever the case is. Uh, ask for those opportunities and thank God for the opportunities he's going to give. Now, let me give you a warning here, though. When you ask for those opportunities and you begin to look for them and you begin to thank God for them, just expect when they come, it's going to interrupt your schedule. Because God doesn't work on our time frame. You know, uh, God, uh, I want you to give me an opportunity between 10 a.m. and noon. Doesn't work that way. That opportunity may come at one o'clock in the morning. It may throw your schedule off. It may interfere with what your plans are. But God will present opportunities if you ask him and you thank him in advance for that. Then number two, that is now accepting the door of opportunity. We've talked about accessing. Now you have some keys that we've looked at to access the door of opportunity. The next step then is to accept the opportunity that God has given. Think about this. Imagine you have a key or a combination to a vault with $5 million in it, and all you have to do is use the key. But you say, you know what, I know I have the key, but let somebody else do it. 
You know, somebody else could use that uh, that money, or uh, I might mess it up. I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to take any chances here. Or I need to know more. Give me some more information about this. Or uh, I'll use it one of these days. Let me just put the key in my pocket, and one of these days I'll use it. You say, well, that would be ridiculous. I'd go right away to get that money. Well, those are the, some of the same things we say when it comes to witnessing for Jesus. We'll say, let the preacher do it. Let someone else do it. Or we'll say, I might mess it up up and I won't have the right words to say, or we'll say, I need to know more. When I know more scripture, then I'll begin to witness, or we'll say, I'll witness one of these days. This just isn't the right time. These are all excuses we use. And what I'm saying is that we now have the keys to access the door. We need to accept it to go through the door of opportunity. Now, a couple of things I want to share with you here. So we're talking about these open doors of opportunity. Paul lets us know here that God is the source of all open doors. He says in verse three, with all, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Paul knows he is not the one that's going to be able to open the doors. It's God who's going to do that. God alone opens and shuts doors of opportunity. Let me give you some examples. You see that in the story of the flood in Genesis chapter 7. Noah has preached for 120 years. You talk about a frustrated fr- frustrated preacher. Uh, he has seven converts. They're all part of his family. But now it comes time. The, the ark is finished, and it's time to get on the ark. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 13, in the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth. Those are his three sons, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, there's his, his spouse, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. So a total of eight people. They and every beast after his kind, the cattle, the creeping thing, the fowl, the birds, uh, they went in unto Noah to the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. And here's what I want you to catch. And the Lord shut him in. I've often wondered, as those people who laughed at old Noah as he hammered away and built this ark, as the animals begin to just come out of nowhere and begin to gather into that ark, maybe they begin to question and wonder. And then they see Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives all begin to load up. And then what would that have felt like the moment, boom, that door was closed? Because the Bible says the Lord shut him in. You know, they may have thought for a moment, hmm, I don't know what's going on here. And then it wasn't long before the raindrops began to fall. And, you know, I believe they probably scratched and clawed trying to get into that ark, but it was too late. God had closed the door. Listen, if God is speaking to the door of your heart and you're not saved, take advantage of the time right now that you're hearing the gospel. You may not have another opportunity. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And God can close that door of opportunity. You need to know that. Not only that, but God also opens and closes doors for service for him. Uh, God doesn't always leave doors open. Doors are not static. You know, they, they don't always stay open. You have to accept the opportunity when it's there. Uh, let me give you a couple of scriptures on that. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7, And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door 
that no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. What I want you to see there is Jesus, uh, his own word says, he opens, nobody can shut it, and when he shuts it, nobody can open it. Also, we have in Acts chapter 16, when Paul uh, and some fellow missionaries were wanting to go into Asia with the gospel, but the Holy Spirit would not allow them. Acts chapter 16 and verse 6, now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. That sounds strange, doesn't it? You would think the Holy Spirit would want them to preach anywhere, but they were forbidden and they were come to Mycenae. They essayed or they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. They just were not allowed. And I don't know how the roadblocks were put up, but it seemed like everything they tried the door was just closed. And then finally you get down to where a man has a vision, come to Macedonia and help us. And the Bible says in verse 10, after he had seen the vision, immediately, right away, we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us uh, there to preach the gospel unto them. Then that was the place the door was open. So understand that God is the source of all doors of opportunity. And then The last thing I want you to see is that it is the gospel that is the substance of all open doors. Listen to what Paul says again in our text, chapter 4 of Colossians, verse 3. With all praying also for us that God would open to us a door of utterance, here it is, to speak the mystery of Christ. I believe that every opportunity that a believer has is an opportunity that is for us to share the gospel, the mystery of Christ. I'll talk more about that in a moment, but but let me let me narrow in on this. You, you get a new job and you think, boy, this new job is for me to pay my bills and to make more money and to, for my life to be better. That's not why you got a new job. You primarily got a new job because God is going to put someone in, in uh, your path to share the gospel with. It's the means to an end. You say, I moved into a new neighborhood, and boy, I got a nice house, and that's for me. No, it's not just for you. And of course, you know, you've worked hard, you have a nice home, nothing wrong with that. But if you're a believer, God has a, pur- a purpose for you and a plan. He's put you there because there may be a neighbor in the area that otherwise you would never have reached. And he He has those ways of getting the gospel to people. You say, I made a new friendship today, a friend uh, that I didn't have before. That's no accident. You have a new friend because God placed them into your life for a purpose. So what I'm saying is that as believers, when we have opportunities, the main reason we have them is because God uses those opportunities to share the gospel. Now, Paul calls it the mystery of Christ. What is a mystery? Well, a mystery is something difficult to comprehend or explain. Um, A murder mystery or a sci-fi mystery. Uh, I'm old school. I like, I like the show Columbo. All right. Columbo, that's a mystery, uh, show from, uh, as the kids say back in the day. But you know what a mystery is? It's something you try to figure out. Now, Paul says to speak the mystery of Christ. What is that? Well, the mystery of Christ, the reason it's called a mystery is because in the Old Testament, they didn't understand salvation completely. They had bits and pieces to work with, but as far as knowing Christ uh, and him crucified and becoming a believer, it was a mystery, but it is something that we now have revealed to us in the New Testament. Think of it like this. The mystery, the mystery of Christ was concealed in the Old Testament, 
but revealed in the New Testament. You say, what is the mystery of Christ? Well, Paul thankfully tells us in the same book, Colossians 1 and verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Here's the answer to the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Uh, Another uh, politician is not the hope and glory, okay? It's not the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. The hope and glory is, the hope of glory is not a better economy. The hope of glory is not a better education. The hope of glory is Christ in you. How do you get Christ in you? By being saved. You are born again. And we call that being born again. Christ is now in you. He takes residence in the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what that means. That's the mystery. You know, you say, I I don't quite understand that. I'll be honest with you. I don't get it completely either, but I believe it because the Bible teaches it. You trust it by faith. It's Christ in you. When you get saved, Christ coming into your life, and that's what saves us and redeems us. Now, let me close with this. Doors of opportunity open and close throughout our lives. The greatest door of opportunity we have, number one, is to accept Christ and be saved. Have you done that? Number two, after you are saved, the greatest door of opportunity is to share the gospel with other people. Whether you're a teacher, you're a nurse, you're a salesperson, you're a factory worker, you're a preacher, you're a layperson, you're retired, whatever the case is, God will open doors of opportunity, but it is up to us to accept those doors and use the key in order to do that. Well, I hope the message was a help to you, and I pray that the Lord uses this message today to be the opportunity for someone to come to Christ, to use it to motivate all of us to do a better job of taking advantage of opportunities to tell people about Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It's always a joy to be with you, and I look forward to being with you again next time. And then uh, whenever we are with you again, I'll look forward to that. Until that time, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.